0: Andy, what are you doing? We're about to start the podcast. Rob, we need to talk. Andy, I did not know it was a family heirloom. I've told you, I'll replace it. Oh,
1: it's not about that. This is about money.
0: Money, hmm. You know I'm really bad with finances.
1: And Rob, that's why we need to talk. You need an accountant. Hmm.
0: You're probably right. But is there anyone you could recommend?
1: Actually, I can. I use Quantify Accountants in Bondi Junction. Have you heard of them?
0: Quantify as in quantify?
1: No. Quantify as in quantify. Q-U-A-N-T-I-P-H-Y. Look, they're terrific. A medium-sized four-partner firm who specialise in tax advice and compliance and retirement and investment advice. Look, they also have other divisions like mortgage broking and superannuation division. And they're just above the interchange in Bonnet Junction. They're maybe not hip, but they're definitely modern.
0: So what was the spelling of that name again?
1: Quantify. Q U A N T I P H
0: Y. I hope that's not another family heirloom.
1: Quantify Accountants, proud sponsors of Coffee, Cake and Culture, the podcast.
2: Hello
1: and welcome to Coffee, Cake and Culture, the podcast. This is Andy Bromberger.
0: And I'm Rob Caldor. Andy, super excited for today. We're in series two. We are. Hey everyone, if this is the first time you've listened to us, enjoy today's episode. There's a whole series one that you can go back to. Just look it up on Spotify or on Apple or on the Coffee Cake and Culture website.
1: Absolutely. So for series one, Rob, just as a quick brief reminder, is on The ideas of music, melody, harmony, rhythm, all that sort of stuff. And this series is looking at the instruments of the orchestra. And so far we've looked at the strings, we've looked at the woodwinds, and today we are looking at the brass.
0: You know, Andy, I'm a big brass fan. I I love trumpets, I love trombones. I'm very excited for today's session.
1: Fantastic. We will be looking at both of those two instruments, as well as a couple of other ones. We have to start with some cake.
0: I can smell something, Andy. What cake is on offer for my ever burgeoning girth?
1: Well, this one is a really good one for your girth because mm. this one is actually not a cake at all. This is Rocky Road.
0: Now, every time I've had Rocky Road in the past, and I know it's quite a popular flavor amongst the big chocolate makers as a bar and things like that. The name, I get it's because of the texture of it, Mm. but it also implies you've been had a tough Rocky Road kind of day and it never really rang true. So what's involved in the Coffee, Cake & Culture licensed Rocky Road?
1: Okay, so this is a little bit different from most people's Rocky Road and I have to say that I really like it. So it's a little bit, rather than your kiddie Rocky Road, this is more of your adult Rocky Road. So in this Rocky Road, it's all dark chocolate and then we have macadamias rather than peanuts. We have Turkish delight. We do have the marshmallows because you've got to have marshmallows. We have yummy biscuits, but maybe a little bit more of an upgrade to your normal biscuit. It's I usually use a really beautiful shortbread biscuit. Then we do have sultanas in it, but then just a whole lot of yummy stuff that I throw into it. So it's more decadent than your usual one. No coconut, no peanuts. Just a little bit more adult. I also sometimes actually throw a bit of grog in there too, just to make it a bit more special.
0: Okay, well, I'm looking forward. I hope today's one is a bit, has a bit of that grog attached. But Andy, why Rocky Road in the context of brass?
1: Because... To play a brass instrument, you need to have a very special embouchure. And do you remember that word, embouchure? We talked about it last time with the woodwind section. The embouchure is the way you hold your mouth and the way you blow an instrument. And when you eat this rocky road, you have a mmm. And so that's why it's associated with the brass because when you play, you also do a hmm
0: thinking something differently because I think I've got... Memories of images of someone like Louis Armstrong when he blows, uh, his mouth explodes yeah, and yeah. it's ginormous. And I imagine myself stuffing myself with Rocky Road. and I, like, a, I
1: like that excuse much better. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's uh, fabulous.
0: Andy, very excited for today's. Just remember, before we get started, if you like the podcast, let your friends know. Rate, review it on Apple Podcasts. We want more people listening to it, and the only way that's going to happen is if you guys help us.
1: Fantastic! So please do that. So Rob, remember when we looked at strings and I said that the strings are a family, and then we looked at the woodwinds and I said the woodwinds aren't a family; they're just a sort of a hybrid, a whole bunch of instruments thrown together that happen to be blown and happen to have initially been wood. Today we are back to that family concept. What we're going to do is I'm going to explain two big fundamental parts of all brass instruments, and then we can look at the specific instruments. So instead of doing it on every instrument, we're just going to get these really important aspects over straight away. The first one is do you know how you blow a brass instrument?
0: I mean, I imagine you just put the thing up and blow
1: Okay, I am now handing Rob a trumpet mouthpiece. And he is going to blow it. Beautiful sound.
0: It wasn't quite Winton Marsalis, <laughs> but it was pretty blowy.
1: Yeah, it was pretty blowy, but it didn't make much of a sound. We're going to listen to the wonderful Debbie English. She is a, an Australian horn player, and she's going to explain to us how to buzz on your instrument.
3: This mouthpiece here is a French horn mouthpiece. Matilda has a trombone mouthpiece. Now, as you can see, different size. They're all very different, but we make the sound the same way. Now, to do that, you need to take a big breath, put your lips together like you're going to kiss somebody, and you blow. Matilda, could you try that? Big breath, see, nice and straight, lips together. Good girl. And once again, That's fantastic. Now Matilda, once you can do that, you can buzz tunes like this. Matilda, you give that a go. Here's that trumpet mouthpiece, here's the horn mouthpiece, trombone mouthpiece, all different shapes and sizes. The buzzes will sound very different, but it's all a buzz. So, once we get it onto the mouthpiece, you can buzz like this. Good girl, Matilda. Here's the trumpet mouthpiece. Here's my horn mouthpiece. And the trombone mouthpiece. Fantastic. Now, once you practice your buzz, you could buzz tunes like this.
0: Andy, I've got to say, a lot better than the crowing that we heard in the last episode. For those that heard the woodwind episode, crowing of a mouthpiece is a bit harsher. But that okay, I can't get it. So you've got to do a bit of a buzz on the mouth.
1: But it's not just a buzz. Did you notice that she actually made melody by just buzzing that mouthpiece and actually made melody by just buzzing with no mouthpiece? And that's very important. Because what we have with brass players is the whole vibration, the whole sound that they make is created by that buzzing and then putting that mouthpiece on the buzz and creating that sound. So if we think about it, the woodwinds, if we compare it to the woodwinds, we had the flute who blew across the whole of the flute and created a vibration with the clarinet. It was the mouthpiece and the reed blowing into that that created a vibration. As you said, with both the oboe and the bassoon, it was that crowing, that sound that they made with the double reed that created the vibration. And with all the brass instruments, it's the same. It's making that buzz. So they buzz their lips the whole time they're playing. Blowing doesn't make it, but buzzing makes it. And so all of these instruments... The sound is created by that buzz.
0: Okay, so Andy, I've already learned a little bit about buzzing. Okay. And I'm excited to hear where we're going.
1: Okay, so one more thing with that buzzing. You notice that Debbie played that melody with her buzz. Yes. That's really important because the octave that the instrument is played is totally dependent on whether that buzz is a high buzz or a low buzz.
0: So the buzz the where you start is set by the buzz
1: yes so if you've got a if you're playing a low note you do a lower buzz if you are playing a high note you do a high buzz so unlike the woodwind instruments again where you have a key somewhere most instruments have your key somewhere that pings you up to that high register on brass instruments it's all done by the embouchure all done by the face
0: how does a bugle work
1: exactly the same
0: But bugles don't have any notes. Oh,
1: yes. Okay. So that leads perfectly onto our next thing, which is something called overtones. Now, we've talked about overtones a bit in the first series, but I'm just going to go over it again. Because, again, when we talk about the brass instruments, it is crucial. Now, when you play a note, and I'm going to play you a note on the piano... So that can be called the fundamental, that's the first note. That note isn't just a C, that note is made up of a whole series of other notes that we call the overtones or the harmonic series. We've talked about this before but it's like light through a prism, you know when you see white light, it's not white light, you put a prism through it and voila, you get a rainbow. And it's exactly the same with music. That one note is actually a whole series of notes stuck together. Very quickly, I just want to talk about the concept of good dicks and bad acoustics, because that's when we hear this harmonic series. So if you're going out to a restaurant, Rob, and you're taking your lovely wife out to a restaurant, you want to go to a restaurant that has damask tablecloths and thick curtains and mushy carpet and big chairs that are really comfortable with lots of padding. Because then you can actually speak to her. You don't want to go to a restaurant that has hard floorboards and hard walls and all the rest of it because then you've got everybody's noise around and you can't hear what each other is saying.
0: Funny, I feel like my recollection of restaurants is it's not that. Mostly uh, lots of noise and hard to hear and lo- lo- lots of people going, what?
1: That's bad acoustics for a restaurant. But it's brilliant acoustics for a musician. Because what a musician, if a musician played in... The acoustics for a good restaurant, as in all that mushy stuff, the sound that they make goes straight into all those soft furnishings and it's a dead sound. We call it a dead sound. What we want is we want to play in a cathedral. Shocker place for dinner, great place for a concert. Because hard stone floors, stone walls, wooden pews, what happens is that you play a note and that note hits those hard surfaces and shatters and that beautiful sound that you hear reverberating around a cathedral are the sounds of the or the overtones of those notes. And the overtones has a specific series of notes. So you have that fundamental note, then you hear the note an octave above, then you hear a fifth, and then you hear a fourth, and then you hear a third. And as those notes get higher and higher, the notes get closer and closer together. Now, the reason this is so important with a brass instrument is what you are asking about with the bugle, because, yes, a bugle doesn't have any keys. So how do they play notes? They play notes on the harmonic series. So the only notes that they can play are the notes of that harmonic series. The the they are notes of the harmonic series, and so they are the only notes that a bugle can play. Okay, so what we're going to hear now is we're going to hear a little bit of bugle playing, and I'm sure you will recognise it.
0: So the bugle uses overtones, I get that.
1: The only notes that a bugle can play are the notes of an overtone. So before we get onto the trumpets, Rob, and we've heard the bugle, I want you to listen to this guy talking about the concept of overtones.
4: The harmonic series is built on one note, and we call that note the fundamental. On the modern B-flat trumpet, in first position without pressing any vowels down, that fundamental note is a written C in the bass clef staff. We also call that pedal C. Now that's not a very pretty note, so we'll leave it for the trombones to play. But the next available note to us, without pressing any valves down in the harmonic series, is a C below the treble clef staff. Then G, a perfect fifth higher, and then back to C. And the harmonic series can continue as high as you play. It's an infinite series. Now, uh, let me demonstrate for you the harmonic series on the modern B-flat trumpet beginning on pedal C, going to C above the treble clef staff.
1: So Rob, all of those notes were played, With exactly the same fingering. In fact, no fingering. No fingers at all touching the trumpet. But he could get all of those notes just by the way he blew his buzz
0: it's always a question how do you know what to buzz but I suppose it's the same way as knowing how do you know how what to sing or speak
1: exactly exactly and where to put your finger on a violin string it is all just muscle memory you get used to doing it but you're right when little people start playing these brass instruments they are buzzing all over the place because they don't know exactly where to put their buzz but as time goes by they get used to playing it like if you I think if you asked a brass player you know what is your buzz for certain notes it's so innate that it's almost a thought they have to make because it's just part of what they do gotcha if we think about the first trumpets actually had no vowels initially and so they could only play these overtones this harmonic series and in fact, trumpets are one of the very oldest of instruments. But if we look at trumpets in the medieval time, they were really important in warfare. If I'm at war with somebody else and you, we are both on the same side and you are over there and I'm over here and the, the enemy is in the middle, how am I going to tell you that I'm going to go and try and win this war?
0: Especially because you may be fighting, I'm running, Andy, but I, 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 I'm not made for war. You're so
1: brave. That's why I love about you, Rob.
0: But I get you. So the trumpet was a form of military communication.
1: Absolutely. And in fact, the trumpeter was one of the most important members of the army because they knew the secrets. So they had secret trumpet signals to indicate to you on the other side of the enemy what I was going to do. And I'm probably telling you to stop running and actually go to war. So that trumpeter was really important. And, in fact, the drum and the trumpeter earned more money In the war, than the regular army people because they had these secrets.
0: Note to any world leaders listening to this can you employ more musicians (laughs) in your armies and less fighters? And I think the world would be a better place. Just a little personal sidelight, and sorry to get political.
1: (laughs) What is interesting about that is that when we then move into the Renaissance period, in the Baroque period, and All musicians were part of guilds. The trumpeters had their own guild and the guild, they earned more in their guild than the rest of the musicians as a throwback of their importance in warfare.
0: Okay. And my perception of trumpets in that era is linked to royalty or grand occasions or trumpeting?
1: trumpets were definitely used in the court but they weren't instruments that had any valves they were instruments like we talked about with the bugle but just a long instrument and initially the trumpet we call them natural trumpets and they just had this long piece of metal so if they wanted to play trumpets in different keys they would have different trumpets of different sizes to play so they can play with other people
0: okay so you would not you don't flip trumpets essentially
1: exactly let's have a listen to a little bit of Telemann trumpet concerto so this is a trumpet that is only being played every note they're playing is only being played by blowing the mouth now you're going to say it's really high and it really sounds amazing in the baroque period this type of high trumpet was all the range everyone loved hearing this high trumpet sound and it was a real skill and these trumpeters were just so brilliant at their trade so everything that is being played now is only being played by moving the lips.
0: I would have thought trumpets only came about in the era of metallurgy.
1: When they dug up Tutankhamun's grave, they found trumpets in there.
0: In the early days, they obviously weren't brass.
1: No, but they were definitely an instrument that they could buzz, that had that sort of roundy, roundy bit, and that could create a sound. Inter- Absolutely.
0: Interesting. Okay, so that was... a old school trumpet well, we were listening to. It's
1: called a baroque yeah, or a natural trumpet. Yes. Okay. And were you surprised at the sound it made?
0: I was surprised because it, a lot of different sounds coming and I again it's like how do they know to get to the different notes? It's quite interesting.
1: It's a very melodious sound and not so that big brassy sound that you expect with a trumpet. It has a much more mellow sound.
0: It was very different actually. Very
1: different sound. Now when we move into the romantic period trumpets start to get valves and twirly-whirly bits more and so they begin to be able to play what we say chromatically so what happens with a trumpet is they you put one finger down and you have all the notes of that harmonic series from one finger down you put two fingers down you have all the harmonics from that note three fingers down you have all these different combinations you can make with those those three valves and then no valves. And with all of that together, you end up with a fully chromatic instrument, which means that you can play all the white and all the black notes on the piano on the trumpet.
0: So once you do that, you don't need different trumpets.
1: You don't need different trumpets. And you still need to buzz to get higher and lower. It's still exactly the same like that but there's much more flexibility because you've also got the fingers helping you a lot. So you've got a lot more notes that you can play.
2: Okay. Okay?
1: And if we were to sort of unwrap a trumpet, so just make a very long piece of metal, how long do you think a trumpet is? Uh, One foot? No.
0: Nine feet?
1: (laughs) Mm. Actually something right in the middle. Four foot ten.
0: I've never been a fan of talking about size with regards <laughs> or length, but four foot ten,
1: that's longer than I thought. Yeah, four foot ten. It's, a, it's 1.48 metres if you want to go that way. It's really quite a long instrument. A lot of metal that your ear needs to go through to come out of the other end trumpets have seemed to have um, bridged the gap of almost all musical genres let's hear a little bit of the person you mentioned before Winston Massalis, and hear the difference between his sound and that early sound that we heard one of the other very quickly before i we go on to that i also just want to very quickly talk about the mouthpiece because the mouthpiece on a trumpet if you looked inside the mouthpiece it's like a cup it's round inside that's very important when we talk about the next instrument so the inside of a trumpet mouthpiece is round let's have a listen to some winter massage
0: I've got to say Wynton Marsalis is one of my all-time favourites, but fair enough, I think he's Grammy Award-winning, world-renowned.
1: Oh, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And the sound he makes on that trumpet is really quite special. And I think it's really important just because to hear a different type of trumpet sound is really good. It's amazing how versatile this instrument is and how it can make so many sounds, like a jazzy sound and a classical sound and a poppy sound and a marching band sound. Although these are all the same instruments, they definitely do have a different sound to them.
0: And uh, look, I think uh, we spoke in the first episode of this series how Lizzo's a bit of a flautist. Mm. Justin Bieber, he's a trumpeter originally. Oh, I didn't know That's that. That's how, if you are, uh, uh, we, we may hear a bit of Justin playing trumpet now.
2: Something you should go and love yourself. <laughs>
1: That is so funny, Rob. I never thought that we would have Justin Bieber in a classical music podcast. Well,
0: Andy, although it is a highbrow podcast, <laughs> to have a high highbrow, you need the lowbrow. No, <laughs> actually, you know, again, all these people that make it big, you know, that you often underpin by classical and proper training. You know, you get to... To make it big in any musical world, you've got to have something behind you for it to be long term, I reckon.
1: Absolutely. You're totally, totally right. Let's move on to another instrument. Now, I'm going to show you this picture and I want you to tell me what instrument it is.
0: Okay, Andy is now showing me a picture of a really odd shaped instrument. (laughs) (laughs)
1: French, and he was
0: on it. No, <laughs> French on. exactly, exactly. Now, the
1: reason I wanted you to say this is French port.
0: In the, in the, in it, it's the the yes. So that was the English horn. An English
1: horn, yeah, an English horn. I have no idea why it's called an English horn. Yeah. But this is the French horn.
0: So if we were from now on, should we? Are we horn. going to just horn? There's horn. no no mention of the French. No
1: crepes, only only no crepes or berets, Only only horns.
0: Besides the uh, scary political world of the International Horn Society. <laughs> Tell me more about the horn.
1: Okay. Now, I asked you how long a trumpet was. How long is a horn, do you think?
0: All right. I reckon eight feet.
1: Okay. You are wrong. Okay. By a heap.
0: By a heap. Okay. Give me, give, give me the answer.
1: 17 feet or 5.2 meters long.
0: Wow i trying to work that out because my it didn't it's not the picture you showed me it didn't look anywhere near that big round
1: and round and round and rounds so it's a very coily instrument the old horn and the way the horn started was again it was an instrument a calling instrument so you always talk about kings and queens the horn was the instrument that was used in the hunt so you would it would just have one coil or one or two coils with the big bell at the back and the horn player would be on his horse blowing the horn telling people to get to the rabbit that was over there or the whatever that was over there the fox that was over there to try and kill for their hunt
0: okay so let's hear how that sounds (laughs)
1: The horn, as I said, was just, had just a few little coils to it. And this is what the Baroque horn sounds like. What he's doing is, and once again, like we heard with the trumpet, all those notes he's playing he's not using any fingers because in the Baroque horns, there weren't anything to use. No, there weren't any valves or any buttons to press. So all of that is again being used with his mouth. You know, the overtones, if you want to have just big spaces in notes, you use the bottom notes of the overtone. But if you want to have things that are much closer together, a melody that's much closer together, you use those top notes. And I think he shows that really well.
0: I can see why they're part of the same family.
1: The brass the trumpets and their horns?
0: Yeah, yeah, they look I mean they're similarish instruments.
1: Exactly. And it's all about this blowing thing that is exactly the same. So the reason we call the French horn the French horn is that as time moved by, the French started to add what we call hooks to the instrument which meant there were these little they looked like hooks little round things that you could plug into the instrument to make it a little bit longer which meant you could play in other keys so if you go to an early music concert you might see the horn players playing an instrument that doesn't have a lot of curls in it but on their music stand they may have some hooks and hanging off those hooks may be some curly bits and so the piece changes key they take one of those curly bits they shove it into the instrument the instrument is now longer and they can play in different keys that curly instrument we move further from the baroque into the classical into the romantic period and industrialization hits and we go from the french crooks to the german hooks and so they start adding more things initially there were two different horns there was the french horn
0: i call it the horn but keep going
1: (laughs) the french horn that used crooks and the german horn that used hooks so there were these two instruments and then in the 19th century these two instruments amalgamated And in fact, there were two horns that sort of what stuck together, a horn in B flat and a horn in F. And these two horns were stuck together to give us the modern day horn. And so the horn we have has one half being one instrument and the other half being the other instrument. And the way you move from one horn to the other is by pressing a key. Now, again, they don't Necessarily go. Oh, I'm now playing this horn. I'm now playing that horn. It's just part of the fingering and the blowing and everything. But this instrument is actually made of two instruments stuck together.
0: So bringing it back to the political, it's the French and the Germans working together. If only. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes. In, if only. I totally agree with you. But there are a few other things that we need to talk about when we talk about the horn. But before we do that, I want you to hear a little bit of the modern horn, Strauss's Horn Concerto. <laughs>
0: that there seemed to be a lot of versatility but like how do you play a, a horn a modern horn
1: play the modern horn i mean very similarly to the way you play the trumpet and that blowing thing and you play with those keys but you the keys are played with your left hand because your right hand is very busy doing something else
0: what <laughs> What is the right hand doing that well, won't tell the, the left hand?
1: The right hand is up the bell. Okay. The bell being that big flary bit at the back of the instrument. So the way you play a horn is unlike the trumpet where the bell is facing the audience. In a, with a horn, the bell is actually facing behind. Okay. And the bell is big, very big and wide and you put your right hand in the bell. Now, you do that for two or three reasons. The first reason is you hold it, the stability to hold the instrument. And in fact, the Baroque horn that we heard before, it had a much smaller bell and you didn't put your hand up the bell. You just held the outside of the bell. So one of the reasons you have your hand in the bell is to, to hold it up. The second reason you have your hand in the bell is to mute the sound, to make the sound have that sort of muted sound. The third reason you have your hand in the bell is to change the pitch of the instrument. So just say you're in the orchestra, you tune the instrument, you have a whole lot of little slides on the instrument itself, and you pull all those slides out to make sure the instrument's in tune. But then you're playing and you notice that you're a little bit sharper, a little bit flat, a little bit higher, a little bit low, you can actually move your hand inside that bell slightly to slightly change the pitch of those notes, either making them a little bit higher by pulling your hand closer to the wall of the bell, or a little bit flatter by closing off that hole a bit. So Rob, what I want you to hear now is actually a horn player moving their hand up and down inside that bell so you can hear how the pitch of the note actually goes up and down depending on where her placement of that hand is. As horn players, we do a lot of our intonation with our slides.
5: we pulling them out, or pushing them in, to have the horn on a certain setting. But many times as we play, we have to make many small adjustments into, to intonation And we don't have the luxury of pulling our hand out of the bell and fiddling with the slides. So, what you want to do is you want to use your hand to control intonation. Now normally when you're playing, you have your hand like so. If you want to lower the pitch, all that you do is you swing your palm in and close off a little bit more of the bell. that will lower the pitch. If you want to raise the pitch, drop your hand as much as possible along the side of the horn. So again, this is normal playing position. This will lower your pitch. This will raise your pitch. So I'll go ahead and show you with a certain note. I'm going to play the note, I'm going to lower it, and I'm going to raise it. You should be able to hear the pitch bending. And I'm doing all those adjustments just with my right hand. So remember that as you're playing, to constantly be aware of your intonation and how you can adjust. It will be particularly helpful because certain notes can be more or less out of tune than others. And if you know how to adjust intonation with your right hand, then you'll be ready for those adjustments.
0: Andy, I don't know why, but it reminds me somewhere between a vet situation and childbirth. So you change the sort of shape of your fist in your hand to change the pitch.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's really quite, it's quite interesting. It's a really interesting part of the, the horn playing and it really does create a different sound. Now, you may have also noticed when you've gone to an orchestra, that there are a lot of horn players. Why are there so many horn players in an orchestra? There are two clarinets usually and two flutes and two oboes, but there are usually four horns. The reason is going back to that time where you could only play a horn in a specific key, that sometimes you would have two horns playing in one key and two horns playing in another key that was related to it. And in that way, you could play most of the notes. This is when you could only play the notes on the harmonic series. So what's happened over time is we now have almost two horn sections in an orchestra. You have the first horn who has the second horn and they play the higher notes. And then you have the third horn who has the fourth horn who play the lower notes. And in fact, if you are applying for a job, in an orchestra, you want to be either horn one or horn three, because they're the two major parts of the horn section. But horns are really important in orchestras. So we're going to listen to a little bit of Marla one. Marlo One has this enormous horn section and this is how fantastic it is and quite often when it's played the horns actually stand up just when this is being played just once more to show the importance of the horn and the sound of the horn so it bellows over the whole orchestra.
0: Let's have a listen.
1: brass section such a fantastic piece to listen to don't start me with Marla but fabulous you're going to hear how wonderful that sound or that horn sound is and did you notice that the horn sound doesn't have that really bright sound of the rest of the brass section it's got a much more sort of a mellow sound to it
0: it, it does, but it's like a lot of mellow there. A
1: lot. There's, in the Marlo, there's definitely a lot of mellow. And one of the reasons, there are two reasons that it has that mellower sound. One is the fact that the bell is at the back and you've got your hands shoved in it. The second is actually that mouthpiece. So you know I was saying to you that the trumpet mouthpiece is a cup inside. The horn mouthpiece actually is a V inside. So it's a different shape internally and that different shape actually has an enormous impact on the sound. You may remember that when we listened to Debbie buzzing right at the beginning there, she buzzed a trumpet, she buzzed a horn and she buzzed a trombone. And the sound of the trumpet and trombone are quite similar because they both have that cup. But the sound of the horn is quite different because it's got that V instead inside.
0: Can trumpet players play horns or trombones?
1: Yes. So really good question. Unlike the woodwinds where, as I've said, they're all different, it's more like the strings where they can play each other's instruments. I would have thought that it would probably be easier for a horn player to play a trumpet than a trumpet player to play a horn. But yes, they definitely can. So So let's move on now from the horn not the French horn, to the next instrument, which is a trombone. Tell me something that's different about the trombone to the other instruments that we're going to be talking about.
0: My image of a trombone is definitely it has this sort of slidey kind of Mm -hmm. thing, but also 76 trombones, maybe Dick Van Dyke marching or something like that. Something
1: like that, yeah, yeah. Hadn't thought about the 76 trombones, but yes, you're absolutely right. The thing I wanted you to talk about was that slide. So, unlike the trumpet, the horn, and the tuba, this the trombone has a slide to it. And just like the strings, where you have to just know where to put your fingers on a trombone, you just need to know where the positions they call the positions are with that slide to give you different notes.
0: You change the note that you're playing either through the buzzing or your Where the slide's positioned.
1: So it's exactly the same as putting your finger down on a key. You push your hand onto a place on the slide, and then from that slide, that position on the slide, you then create all those overtones.
0: So is the trombone higher or lower in pitch than the other, than the horn and the trumpet? Okay,
1: so it's a really good question. And remember that it's counterintuitive. The bigger the instrument, the lower the sound so a trombone is bigger than a trumpet and a horn so the trombone is lower that instrument and in fact if we were to again uncoil the trombone how long is a trombone eight feet okay you're pretty close it's nine feet so it's actually shorter than a horn but The horn has so, as we talked about, these two instruments Mm -hmm. stuck together, but much longer than our trumpets. So nine feet of instrument and the trombone. So the trombone, the major difference or the major thing that everybody knows about with the trombone is this slide. But unlike the trumpet, which was called the trumpet before in the old days, and unlike the horn, which is called the horn in the old days, the trombone actually had a predecessor. And it was an instrument called the sack butt. Great name, I love saying sack butt. And the sack butt had a family in itself. So it had high sack butts and low sack butts. And the thing that held all these sack butts together was the fact that they all had this slide. Let's have a listen to some sack butt.
0: possessional that kind of music
1: you're absolutely right and the reason it was processional was that up until very late in the piece Trombones were played as an instrument for religious music. So that music was the funeral of Queen Mary written by Purcell at the end of the 1700s. May
0: she rest in peace. May she rest in peace.
1: Mm. So that is funeral music, so religious funeral music.
0: Any reason is just historical, why why the trombone, not the trumpet?
1: Yeah. Or I've,
0: Sorry, what's it called? The sackbutt.
1: The sackbutt. Yeah, I don't actually know why the sackbutt and the trombone were used mainly in religious music it could have something to do with the strength of the instrument how loud it was and it was a good outside instrument maybe that had something to do with it i'm not really quite sure the first composer who uses it in an orchestral setting or well, the first one we actually really talk about was beethoven okay so that's really quite late it was occasionally used before that but it didn't become sort of part of the orchestra per se until beethoven
0: so, Andy, my perception of the sound of the trombone, which makes it unique, it sort of bends or sort of reaches into the tone that you're looking for kind of thing. It's not like an exact, it's like I'm reaching, ah, that's where I'm there.
1: Exactly. That is called a glissando.
0: Similar to the glissando in Gershwin. Oh, uh, you are
1: so- so good (laughs) see
0: kids that's called learning learning
1: (laughs) i love it okay so let's talk about the difference between the clarinet glissander and the trombone glissander so because the trombone has a slide it can just go Mm. because all it's doing is oh i shouldn't say sorry trombone plays but all they doing it are pulling their slides in and out and we'll listen to some glissando glissandi in a second mm. but what a clarinet has to do when they're trying to get a glissando is slide their fingers off the holes and create a sort of a sound of that slidey thing but doing it without getting clunks and glunks as they slide their fingers off the keys so it's a very different idea here is some trombone glissandi.
0: Andy, I felt you were implying that it's a bit more difficult for the (laughs) clarinetist to glissan, but I... Whatever instrument, it's such a unique and lovely sound.
1: It is a beautiful sound. It is a beautiful sound. And again, we're going to listen to something a little bit different when we're going to hear a piece for the trombone now. This is a classical trombone ensemble. And I think what you're going to notice when you hear a trombone group together is how mellow, again, the trombone is. In the same realm as the cello, it's the same Registers and it has this beautiful sound together. So we're going to listen to Uptown Funk played by a classical trombone ensemble. Mm-hmm.
0: expect that coming and we both were having a bit of a boogie there because happen <laughs> you not but yeah no look it's definitely an instrument with a bit of groove attached to it
1: and it's like the trumpet that it has managed to morph itself into so many different sorts of music so it sounds just as beautiful in a classical setting as it does in a rock setting or a jazz setting it really does fit all of these different types of musical genres we're now on to the last big member of this brass family and that's the tuba so the tuba is this again this very low instrument big instrument the mouthpiece on a tuba again it has that cup and it's almost the size of a cup it is Mm -hmm. such a big instrument and a tuba really only comes about in the 19th century because we have to wait until industrialization to be able to get a piece of metal that is thin enough and smooth enough and can be shaped well enough to be able to create this fabulous instrument, the tuba. And as we've talked about before, the bigger the instrument, the softer the sound. The role of the tuba really in most ensembles is to play the bass they do a lot of what we call um-cha, um-cha, um-cha,
2: um-cha, mm-hmm. um-cha,
1: um-cha, um-cha, to hold and to stabilize the rest of the ensemble and unlike most of these other instruments in the brass section we have a whole bunch of different types of tubers so you can play the f tuber or the e flat tuba or the c tuber or the b flat tuba or the double c tuber or the double b flat tuba whole bunch of instruments all of different sizes the Main tuber, the B-flat tuber, is 18 foot long. The F-tuber is 12 foot long. So, you know, these different sizes of tuba. And as I said, we also have these double B-flats and double Cs, which are just enormous. You can almost put a whole person in them. Just as a total aside, I had a friend who, who's, they were buying a new tuber for their son in America. The husband went over to the States, took a really bad suitcase Bought the tuba, filled his whole luggage in the tuba case and down the tuba and all around mm. the tuba, got rid of the suitcase and came back with just the tuba case. So that's how much stuff <laughs> you can stick in a mm. tuba.
0: So, Andy, I've got a specific image of a tuba, but there's also, I think we may have spoken about this in Series 1, with the advent of marching bands. Yes. They're a thing, There are bigger, they're not called tubas, what are they called? Yes. Sousaphones
1: phone is so we know susa was the guy who did all the marching bands yeah and we'll have a listen to a little bit of a Sousa marching band in a second but susa realized you can't walk carrying this enormous thing so they had made this instrument called a sousaphone, where you are basically standing in the instrument and the coils are going around you and the big huge bell is at the top which means that you can now walk around or march around Carrying, I probably couldn't, but a bigger person could walk around carrying this sousaphone and being able to play Here's a bit of sousaphone But let's also now just hear a little bit of tuba playing because I think that unlike trumpet and unlike horn and unlike trombone people have actually heard potentially a solo instrument we're going to hear part of Bach's cello suite so this is written for the cello but it's being played on a tuba so it's just showing how beautiful the tuba sound is and the tuba that is being played is enormous this is one of these big tubas
0: is that you've spoken before about the larger the instrument mm. the softer the sound I don't know if soft's the word but it's just it's not as big a sound but it's subtle but it's very it's muffly little. isn't it's a it bit, it's a bit muffly so it must yeah. be tuba players must people must have a bit of attitude about them as well there can't be specific types that play the tuba
1: Oh you know what Rob I could go into the characteristics of all players but I think I would lose a lot of friends if mm-hmm. I went into the characteristics mm-hmm. the generalization of all the instruments but yes you are right that there are is definitely a character trait who plays? Who play most of the instruments of the orchestra? Depending on if you are an extrovert or an introvert, or you like being on show or you don't, or you're a bigger person or a smaller person, or in with the winds. I mean, it's really interesting with the winds. Certain facial features work better with certain instruments so there is definitely that and i think i might have said to you before that when we talk about the viola that a viola player has to have a certain hand size to be able to play so you're absolutely right that that there is a generalized physique that works and personality that works for various instrument groups totally but to finish this all off we've now looked at trumpets horns trombones and tubers before we finish let's have a listen to this this is the flight of the bumblebee played on brass instruments
0: Such fun, a couple of duelling melodies, and obviously one of the best-named classical pieces. <laughs>
1: the Flight of the Bumblebee, the yeah. of Bumblebee. <laughs> And the Flight of the Bumblebee, just as an aside, it's this piece of music that's played on every instrument and you have to play it as quickly as you possibly can. its I think it's one minute you have to play the whole thing in one minute, which is even much quicker than that version.
0: Thank you so much for that. I think I've learned a lot about the brass. I love how we're putting the pieces of the orchestra mm. together. Family by family.
1: We sure are. And next time we are looking at another very interesting bunch of musos and that is the percussion section.
0: Ah, yes. A few beats, a bit of rhythm. It'll be interesting to see how that sounds. If you want to do a bit of pre listening you can listen back to episode two of our first podcast on rhythm.
1: Oh, you're absolutely all right. What a good idea. Fantastic.
0: Andy, if you want to listen to old podcasts how do you do it
1: you go onto spotify you go onto apple you go onto my website coffee cake and culture all of those have links to the wonderful podcast we think it's wonderful Mm -hmm. coffee cake and culture the podcast thank you so much rob once again i hope i have explained your favorite family of the orchestra the brass section
0: but andy i can smell something
1: though you can i hope that's not my chocolate burning i hope that is my chocolate just melting in the background.
0: Looking forward to some Rocky Road recipe on the website. Till next time, see you later. See you later. This podcast has been produced by etales.com.au.